because then I were getting asked questions, you see. It was like, well, if you're that good, and people are saying you're that good, how come you're not playing? And he just said, he singled me out a little bit and just said, how long am I going to have to wait for you? I just went in a couple of days after the season, and he just said, well, you'll be starting next season, you'll share that position. And then he left. <laughs> Stephen is the best player I've seen in a long time. He's an outstanding talent. How did it feel at the time when you were just on the edges of making this breakthrough? You heard Taylor's left. And when he said it, I thought he meant Ian Taylor because he obviously got moving on. I just got it mixed up. And then when he said it was the manager, I just thought, no, you can't be right. Just, just made a mess of my ankle and I just couldn't seem to get right. And then I come back from it and it was still giving me some pain, went for the scan. And it hadn't healed right, it was still broke in a couple of places. But do you know what, Matt? I think I was done, mate. I think I was I think I was physically done and I just thought I don't need to be playing on my doorstep, getting hammered every week. Look, I loved it. I loved every minute. I loved every minute of the club. It was just great. Uh, as a time, enjoyed it immensely and I wouldn't change anything. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Right, we're joined by Stephen Cook for the latest episode of Claret and Blue podcast. First of all, welcome Stephen. How are you coping with lockdown? Um, struggling a bit, mate, I suppose, like everybody else. We've got two young boys running around the house, so... Uh... It's quite hard to keep them occupied and entertained at the minute. So um, what we're going to do, we're going to go on a on a bit of a, a wander down memory lane. Must be knocking on kind of 15, 20 years since since you're at Villa. So for for those who, who, who vaguely remember the name or you know young, younger younger viewers and listeners who, who, who are not sure of who Stephen Cook is, have I got this right, Steve? Is it is it fair to say kind of? I don't know, back back around the turn of the turn of the millennium, cocky, that makes us sound old, doesn't it? Um yeah. back around two thousand, kind of I don't know, is it is it harsh am I pop piling too much? Am I overhyping it to say that you were kind of, you know, hailed as hailed as one of the next next Wonder Boys, one of the next kind of talents off the off the body more production line? Probably from outside, uh, people inside the club, maybe uh, not myself, certainly not. Yeah, there was a bit of a reputation there as I, as I got older, yeah. I was coming through. You're a Warsaw lad, aren't you? What were your first memories of you having a ball at your feet? Well, when did you kind of fall in love with football? I think my first ever, I think it was like the first World Cup. I would have been about seven, 1990 World Cup. I remember watching that. That would have been my first recollection of an actual game. But I think I was playing, my dad said, from the age of like four, three, with a ball always, just just kicking it about and things like that. When did you realise as a young player that you you actually got some kind of talent talent in your boots? I went to Walsall at the age of about nine or ten, I think, and I trained with a year above, uh, a year and a half there. Um, and my actual age group, they, they didn't actually know I was already at Walsall Football Club and they kept approaching my dad and my dad was saying, well, he's there. And he said, he's not the right age group. You don't really think about being a professional. You always want to be a professional, obviously, but you don't know how, how good you have to be, I suppose. You're just, you're just playing and you're watching the people, on the, the players on the TV and it's just a dream at that time, isn't it? It's not like a, a reality and you don't really... Probably when I got a bit older um, and you see the players close up when you actually get into a uh, the club because we didn't see the players at Warsaw it was just training on once a week and that was it So tell us about Lillishaw then because when I was growing up Lillishaw was this kind of um, 
I don't know. I've, I've, I've heard it described since then as kind of Hogwarts. Was it? Um, was it like a? Yeah. Was it a residential thing there? Because and what? What age would you have been when you when you went along? Fourteen to sixteen. Uh, I had two years there. Um, it was a bit like yeah, a bit like Hogwarts. The actual building and, and the way it was all set out. But, uh, probably looking back, it's probably the best uh, best two years of my life. If if I'm looking back at it, great experience. Play with some met obviously some really good players and still in touch with them now and uh we we won most weeks which was a bonus what years would you have been there was it like 97 to 99 was it then or it was yeah exactly 97 to 99 uh year above me we were the actual last year so the year above me was uh joe cole and my year some players who you're familiar with obviously jermaine defoe leon Britton. We played for Swansea. A few of the lads played, obviously, lower leagues, but all started off at, at, at premiership clubs, I think, apart from the one one lad who, uh, who stayed local. So tell us about, it must have been around that time that the, the Man United thing came about then, wasn't it? How, how did that happen? I was at Walsall, obviously, till the age of 14, but there were clubs always uh, ringing up my dad. And when I got into Lily Shaw, they just said, like, it would be, I know it don't sound great, but they just said it would be better if you actually moved clubs it, it was just an eye-opener really that the the FA wanted most of the players to to be at, at, at Premier League clubs I think so the, the first time that you kind of rock up at Man United tell us what, what what does that feel like I think we went up on the day with my dad and then uh, they made you feel really special obviously I met the manager all the players or in the, in the room the change room before the game. I had my picture took with uh, with Alex Ferguson signing the contract, and they and uh, they brought the Premier League trophy in, and uh, so it was good. Obviously, watch the game, and and you know had a meal there and everything. It was it was good, but just to meet the players that was was amazing. Giggs, Beckham, Scholes, Roy Keane. I didn't know whether to approach Roy Keane because he was not too sure, but they'd won, so like they were all in a decent mood and they were all happy to talk to you and give you advice. So how long were you at? United for? Two years, mate. Just the two years I was at Lillyshaw. You're on everybody's say, so I suppose it's like um, you need to come up because that was my actual football club that I was uh, contracted to. Obviously, that they wanted me there and to see how I was developing first and because they used to come and watch the games at Lillyshaw now and again. When you're training there day in, day out, they can have a look at you properly. So you just feel like you had to go really more than anything. Although I wanted to, there was times when I thought, oh, I could, I could just do with having a week at home I suppose it was weird really because obviously I was at the club and I was a Man United player but oh, I was never really there it was it was, it was quite weird so whose decision was it that, that you'd, you'd go to Villa then mine when I'd, when I'd finished Lily Shaw I had I was at Man United obviously and I got to the stage where all the lads were sort of uh, talking about their contracts and uh, at the time I just felt that um, well, Klaus Pals was at the Villa as well I've got Rob Edwards who was who's, who I still speak to now he's probably my best mate in football and uh, Jonathan Buers was he, uh, at the Villa as well and that's who I really got on with uh, at Lily Shaw and I just thought that I'm going to go there if they if they still want me because I spoke to Villa before I went to Lily Shaw I spoke to Brian Jones a few times and uh, I, th- I think I actually told him I'd sign him or never, which is <laughs> which is poor. But um, it was around that time, 15, 16, that I decided that I wanted 
to go to the villa. I've been doing some homework and going through the archives about some of the things that were, were written and said about you when you were at Villa. And I, I know from briefly speaking to you that you're quite a modest guy, so you, you, this will kind of roll off your shoulders, I'm sure. But I found this in, in one of our letters pages from, from back about 99, 2000, saying uh, this, the, there's a fan who's written in saying, uh, kind of demanding to know, actually, no, this would have been when O'Leary was there, demanding to know why you're not in the team. Um, this is from uh, this is from a Mr. B. Hancock, a support, supporter of forty six years. Our supporters club would like to know why David O'Leary, David O'Leary has ignored the most talented player at Villa, Stephen Cook. Nobody at the Villa has the football brains he has, can pass like him. We haven't had a great winger at the Villa for years. No disrespect to the other youngsters in the team, but Stephen is way ahead of them. Yet O'Leary ignores him. We need players like that in our team. It's been nice to hear, hasn't it? Stuff like that. Yeah, it's always nice to hear. Yeah, I think when. When when David O'Leary came in, I was I was ready then, you know. Uh, that was probably my my year where I was probably because the year, Graham Taylor's year, he wasn't convinced at first. Graham Taylor wasn't, uh, and I was out of contract actually on the last year, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen because obviously I was at that age there where I should obviously be playing first team football or in in the squad, uh, and I had a few offers from Championship clubs or, and things like that. Um, so it took till about Graham Taylor's first season I think by Christmas time I'd actually convinced him it was just after Christmas that I started to get involved with the first team David O'Leary coming and he, he just had a completely different way of seeing it I suppose Again I'm not, not trying to embarrass you by, by, by saying all these nice things but there's a, a quote from um, from Gordon Cowens back then as well let me uh, let me dig it out a minute Stephen is the best player I've seen in a long time he's an outstanding talent I mean, with I don't, I don't know how to how to phrase this, but with, with everybody raving about you, Stephen, was it was it kind of difficult difficult to kind of stay grounded, or you come from the kind of family background that you, your dad had soon kind of knock you knock you back down if you if you got carried away or what? How how did it feel at the time when you were just on the edges of making this breakthrough? Like I say, it was more people at the football club and people around. Reputation was like pretty much like that at the time. Because then I were getting asked questions, you see. It was like, well, if you're that good and people are saying you're that good, how come you're not playing? Uh, then I'd start to think, well, what, what can I do? Or what am I doing wrong? And So although it was nice to hear, it was a bit frustrating as well because obviously he's still a legend, isn't he? He's the best player to ever play for the club and massive influence on, on my career. And, I, and it was just a bit frustrating that, you know, people like that and other people at the club who wanted me to, to be playing and I just couldn't seem to get that. That chance at that, at that, when I when I needed it, it was just a player I was. I was a victim of probably the way I played because uh, I liked to, to to carry the ball. I think in the middle of the park, it was more like can you get it and, and move it because obviously it was four four two and it wasn't like now. Obviously, the workload in the middle of the park was a lot more because it was just a two. Getting me out wide in one on one situations, I think that's where they saw me being most effective. I think you made your debut, again, if my homework's correct, I think you made your debut in the Intertoto Cup when Villa, Villa were playing at the Hawthorns, I think, because the, the Trinity Road stand was being, uh, was being revamped. So have you got any memories of, of the first time that you, you got on and actually made the first team? Yeah, it was. It was at the Hawthorns and uh, on the morning, I think a few of the lad, few players had pulled out injured. Uh, I think Luke Nillis had just signed and he was a bit stiff. Um, so it wasn't till about lunchtime that the gaffer said, like, you'll be involved tonight. It was about 20, 25 minutes to go and he just 
he just pulled me and said, right, you're going on. I didn't expect to go on. I didn't expect it. I didn't even expect to be to be involved in the, in the squad. You know, I was nervous before I went on, but then when I got on, I was I was more excited. I just you know to get get a touch of the ball and get into it more or less. So I only had half hour, so I wanted to do as much as I could. So um, that would have been Gregory, wouldn't it? Yeah, John Gregory. How was he with you? Uh, he, he's the best one I had. I think if he'd have stayed things might have been different. He was the one who, he had me involved really early because obviously before I made my debut, um, I was always travelling with the first team and being involved uh, or trained with the first team a lot. When I went to, they played away, he'd take me to the away games and just being on the coach with the players and just getting involved and being around it. He had me from an early age involved. I think I was even 16 maybe when I, I got involved training and, and going to the games. What would it have been like being around Bodymore at the time back then? Was it? I was speaking. We, we got we did an interview with Barry Bannon uh, last week and speaking to him about his experiences. Would you have been kind of you know, like doing some of the kind of odd jobs, cleaning boots, sweeping, yeah. changing rooms, and that kind of thing? Yeah, definitely. I had the most jobs. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I had it. Oh, I can't remember when I first came. Uh, they gave us the list of jobs and the lad who I was sharing the jobs with was Wayne Henderson, the goalkeeper, and he had he weren't coming over for another two weeks. So I literally had I think I had the canteen, uh, all the hallways, the boot cage, um, and the gym. And I, I was hoovering for about half hour every, every night after training. Nightmare. So whose whose boots would you have had to clean? Uh Dion Dublin. Yeah, I was Dion's boot boy. Super. Really uh, Really good. Obviously, he'd say to me, like, do you, do you need any boots? Or he sat me off. I weren't a great boot boy, to be honest. I weren't the best. I always cleaned them, but he always had a little moan and he might say, oh, these these are a bit wet or whatever, when I just used to shove them under the tap. But we all cleaned boots. It was just part of it at the time. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, to be honest. I think they should still do it now. Some big personalities went around the first team scene, but they're not just good players, but kind of, I don't know, you'd have probably had... Collymore knocking about, Merson, Dublin, Bosnich. It must have been a bit of a kind of... Um, I mean, was, was there much banter between the kids and the, and the senior pros? Yeah, it was quite good, to be fair. They were really good. I think you got... See, when, we, when I signed for the Villa, coming from Man United, I remember at the time when I got there, I think it was Collymore's last season. So he was just leaving, really. Um, but you had, like, the majority of the players were, were British. Um so it was like Ekiog, Southgate, Gareth Barry, Ian Taylor, Leandre, Merson, Dublin. So like it, it was more like a, a British club, whereas it was just starting. Most clubs uh, relying a bit more on, on more foreign players. Who were the kids coming through uh, alongside you then? You, know, you mentioned John Buers and uh, Rob Edwards. Who else would have been knocking around back then? Oh, mate, we we were we had a really really good good youth set up at the time. I think. <laughs> It was so strong, so it weren't even just competition to get in the first team. With uh, obviously the, the first team players, the youth team was really strong as well. So like my year was me, Rob Edwards, Jonathan Buers. There was a lot of lads who were playing. Like there was four of us who were playing for England from the year, from my year. So Leon Hilton played for England. Um, Stephen Moore was the year below, but he he came in and signed the year early, and he trained with us. Uh, every year, uh, every day, sorry. So you got him, and then the year below was like Stephen Davies, Peter Whittingham, Liam Ridgewell. Um, it was it was pretty strong. I was playing reserves from the age of 16, so um, 
obviously I was training with a first team quite often, uh, trained reserves and played not much youth team football because obviously the first team played. If I was in the squad for the first team on the Saturday, I wouldn't play on the Saturday morning for the youth team. I think I missed about a month of football when I was about 17. And Tony McAndrew just said, look, you have to speak to the gaffer because you're obviously not getting on the bench. I was just in the squad. So just travelling or... So he just said, you're going to have to start playing some football because I was missing a bit of football. So yeah, it's just basically do the best in your reserve games, you, all the training and everything. You just obviously get your head down and, and hopefully you get a, get a break. By my reckoning, I think you, you came on and, and got a few minutes at home to Bolton. So that had been your Villa Park Premier League debut. Then yep. I think you came on and played played a little bit about against Man United. And I think you played away at Leeds as well. And I think that those were your, your kind of only other three appearances. What what was it like around then, under Graham? I'm not. He wasn't quite sure about me at first because when he called me, obviously I, I was playing centre midfield. Um, but he obviously changed the formation. He, we started playing four four two, and he probably seen me more of as a wide player. I think we had a meeting, uh, a group meeting uh, amongst you know we weren't doing too well. The first team was struggling and. But our reserve team was was doing really well. And he just said, he singled me out a little bit and just said, how long am I going to have to wait for you just to start doing what you need to do? And I, I, I was a bit I was a bit confused because, you know, it, I, I wasn't too sure what he was asking me to do. And then he just said, what I want you to do is play wide, but run the game. And I thought, well, if you want me to run the game, I'll play him in the middle of the park because that's what I wanted to do. But it, it was quite hard to get my head around at first. And then in the end, I just started staying out wide and become an actual winger in the end. Did that kind of knock your confidence a little bit or just like you say, just leave you a little bit baffled? Yeah, it just left me a little bit baffled. I wasn't too sure what it was all about because it was a group meeting. It was like the whole club, I mean, the youth team, the uh, the reserves, the first team and, and all the coaches and everything. So, and it was just come out of the blue. That he'd like, not had a pop at me, but just, it was a bit, it looked like it was a bit more frust- frustrated than anything. I wasn't too, too sure what, where it come from but I had a chat with him after and, and we cleared it up and in the end he, you know he, he did obviously give me some minutes but um, I don't think he was entirely convinced to be honest So you, you, you said you got, got a few minutes eventually what was it like can you remember when you when you ran on at Villa Park for the first time for that debut Yeah uh, it was bolting we got a corner and he just said right I'll do it now and so he just said right and I just said to him where do you want me to go and set pieces and he said I'll just take them I said, all right. So I had to just run over and, and, and take the corner with my first touch. I was, I, I was nervous then, obviously, just going on to take a corner straight away. But uh, in, in the game, I, I, was, I was just excited and, and wanted to get involved. I think, you know, it'll come on for about 20 minutes. I think Bolton was about 15. I think the Bolton game, obviously, we won the game. So that, that, that was a bonus. And I, and I did quite well in that one. The Man United game was, was pretty hard because at the time they were like top team and um, he brought me on and it, we didn't really have a lot of the ball. It was more like a bit more careful with it, keeping the ball when you got it rather than if you give it away against them, it, it, you know, it's tough getting it back. Um, but, but the Leeds game, uh, I remember that one and I, I played about 30, 35 minutes. Uh, and I was just, I felt a bit more confident. Obviously, the more games you get, the more time you get, you feel a bit more confident. So I, I did quite well in that one and after the game, it, my contract was still going on for quite a while, whether I was going to sign it or not. Uh, not from my end, I was pretty happy to, to get it done and dusted. It was, it was more from the club. I just went in a couple of days after the season. He just said, well, you'll be starting next season. You'll share that position. 
but you'll get a lot more time. Um, and then he left. <laughs> that must have been, that coming out of that meeting though. You must have you must have felt ten foot tall, hadn't you? Yeah, because like I say, I was still I was I still thought when I went into the meeting. Obviously, we, when he offered me the contract and I spoke to him, he said to me, "Don't bother getting your agent involved because we're not moving on that." And I said, "Okay, not no problem." It wasn't a problem, you know. I was obviously agents being agents. So we've got to do this and we're going to do that, and we're going to try and sort this. So it. And I don't know if he thought that I was being funny because he told me that there was no moving in it, that you weren't getting any more money or whatever. It was just basically getting it all sorted from the from the, the odd bits and bobs. And I don't know how he took it, to be honest. But it, in the end, when it, I wasn't expecting him to say, "Right, next season you'll be you'll be starting games and you'll be you'll be sharing the position." By the time the next season comes around, then that's all fallen flat because. O'Leary was in charge by the start of the next season, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Graham left. I think it was about three days later. I had the meeting. I'd signed my contract. I think I was going. I was, I was on my way to the gym because obviously it was the off season. And my, my mate, you know what I mean, he just said, "Oh, was he wearing Taylor's left?" And when he said it, I thought he meant Ian Taylor because he was obviously uh, obviously got moving on. And I just said, "Yeah, uh, we knew ages ago." He said, bloody hell, he says, how's he kept you quiet? And I was just like, well, he hadn't been playing, has he? And he was like, well, I've just got it mixed up. And then when he said it was the manager, I just thought, no, you can't be right. I was there two days. Something must have gone on, obviously. And then it all come out that he had and he'd left. And then obviously, uh, I we got the job. What happened is when he came in, he, he sort of said to Kev and I think the reserve team staff, whatever, he just said, I want to have a look at the, the senior players' to start with so can you keep the reserves and if I need one or two I'll draft them in or whatever but I really want to try and keep the the elderly the senior players together and have a look because he wasn't sure on a few of them I suppose and he just wanted to have a look at them first before he went uh, having a look at the younger lads In terms of your of your time at Villa then what would be your um, what would be your favourite memory from your time there? Obviously playing that my debut was was great Um that would have been the best, but obviously, like the from the youth team days, I think you get, you know, you go on a lot of trips with the lads, uh, with the Hong Kong tournaments. We enjoyed them, and um, we went to Japan and, and things like that. I think, I think when you when you look back on it, the youth team was it, it, it is. I think a lot of players will say they enjoyed their youth team uh, era. It, it was good, and you make a lot of friends who you still keep in contact with. But just the, the club in general was massive. I didn't realise coming from Man United. Because I think a few people actually think that I went to Man United, then back to Warsaw, then to Villa. That wasn't the case. It was straight from Man United to Villa. Just a massive football club, but I didn't realise until I actually got in, into the training ground and, and the first game of the season, how big you know, Aston Villa was. Can you remember your funniest moment at Villa? Either a prank or something something stupid somebody's done? See, so it was quite surprising. David Ginola was unbelievable at paintball. <laughs> We went paintballing for our Christmas party, and he was—he was unbelievable. Everybody thought, "Hey, ain't going to fancy it," and he probably won't want to want to get get dirty or whatever. He was unbelievable. He was in the bushes, he was up trees, everything. He was—I couldn't believe it. There's a few, obviously, you get the Christmas parties and things like that, where you have a, a good night out and that. But he—he he surprised me really, Janola, because he was always—he was always there, and he was always at the heart of it. And he was a bit of a joker, and people probably don't didn't see that side to him. But when he first got there, he was he was really good in the change room. The lads are training; he was great. And obviously, that Christmas parties and everything, he was he was brilliant. But the paintballing, I'll just I'll always remember that because I just thought he ain't even going to turn up. But 
what he did, to be fair. He, he was there, he loved it. Who's the best player you've played alongside and thought, crikey, you know, they're something else, they're, they're a different level? It's hard because obviously like, playing's different and it's so in games, game situation, I played with Defoe as a young lad, played lots and lots with him. So I actually played in games with would probably be Jermaine. But in terms of like the best player in training and everything, I'd probably say Paul Merson or Benito Carboni. Obviously with Merce, it, it was just his vision and, and, and how, he, how he's seen the game. And it was just amazing. He just never used his left foot. It was all outside the boot and his, his way to pass and everything about him. He was, he was quality. I mean, he, would, he used to say to me, oh, if I made a pass that was a bit too safe, he used to go, no, you, you've got to try the other one. You, you can see that, you can do it. And he always tried to encourage you. With Carbone, he was just, he was just quality. Uh, his touch and, and everything about him. He was only about, I think he was, what, 5-2, 5 three. But he could, he could just whack the ball. I think he could hit it as hard as probably Hitzelsberg at, at times. It was, it was amazing. How good, like his technique and everything. Just thought, Jesus, he, he, you know, he was a special player. What was he like around the place, Merce? Yeah, he was great. Because obviously his, 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 his problems are well documented and he did a talk with the, the youth team when we got there and just to, to make us aware of, of what he'd been through and, and and some of the dangers that you can fall into in football and, and in life and, and how, he, how he was getting by and just just really good advice and everything. He didn't have to do that, you know, but I think him coming to terms with it and, and, and how he dealt with it just told us some of the stories. Um, it was amazing, to be fair. It was great with me. I remember. I remember one time I did something to him in training, and he, he looked at me. He, he weren't best pleased, and I just thought, "All oh, right." He was always positive when he spoke to you about football. You know, he was like, even though he, he, he was, he might have the ump with me sometimes. If because sometimes you get the ball and you play it square, and he'd look at me as if to say, "No, you, you can play that forward," or you know. But he was always, although he'd look at you and he was a bit, bit frustrated. He, afterwards, he was always. He's always positive or whatever. Him and Dion Dublin, I would say, were probably the ones that give me the best advice. Because yeah, obviously I was his boot boy anyway. And obviously when I started training with the first team, he would just say, like, you know, just be positive in what you do. And he would just call you and have a chat with you and just say, look, I think the gaffer wants to play you. You might have to do this a bit more or you might have to, you know, do that or whatever. He, he, he was good. Uh, Gareth Southgate as well. He was there, so he, he will always give good advice. There was there was tons, and they're all like top players. Uh, Gareth Barry, obviously, he was still a young lad at the time, so he never gave you really any advice. But just watching him play, learned so much. If you had to say why it didn't work out at Villa, what what would it would it be a combination of these things? Would it be kind of people's concerns about you, whether you were big and strong enough? circumstances with different managers. Did you have a couple of injury setbacks as well along the way? Yeah, I had a big injury, mate. I had a big injury. I was out for 17 months. I'd done it on loan at Bournemouth because I got injured in the reserves. I had a month out and I'd come back and uh, the gaffer pulled me and said, look, you, you can't be playing reserves anymore. You need to be playing first team football. You, you're ready to be playing football. Um, and I'd already been to Bournemouth as a 17-year-old on loan and they, they wanted me back. So I went back there. It's my first game back 
there on my own. That's when I did it. Just, just made a mess of my ankle. I just couldn't seem to get right. And I'll come back from it and it was still giving me some pain. Went for the scan and it hadn't healed right. It was still broke in a couple of places. Whether I'd done that coming back or it just didn't heal from the operation, I'm not too sure. But it was just like an impact tackle. I've sort of, he's gone in two-footed, stood showing. And I've gone in basically just to strike the ball with my foot. Probably should have gone inside footed and got some weight behind it, although I didn't have a lot of weight behind me. I could have made probably, I don't know, it's just a, looking back at it, but it wasn't a, wasn't a great tackle from him, but at the, at the time I probably could have looked after myself a little bit better. And I think that just killed me. In terms of my Villa career, that, 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 that done me. But I'd just signed my, my contract. So I had another two years. So what stage? Are the, who's manager at this this time? I'm I'm losing track. Is this is this Taylor or is this Gregory still? Or? This is David O'Leary because he said he didn't want me playing reserves. He said he wanted me to go out and and, and get some first team football. So when I did it, he was I think it was his first first season. So it was about I was out for a long time. I remember looking at the days I was out injured for on the physio. The physio used to keep a track of who was out injured and my name was at the top and I just it was just a horrible moment experience I've never I think it it went through my head then that it was probably time to to even retire then it was that bad So do you think do you think as well as physical scars do you think that left psychological scar as well? Uh, Possibly possibly I always said to my dad I'd love to have took advantage of the mental aspect of the game because we had it all there when we was at the villa people come in spoke to you about the mental side and, and things like that. We had uh, people come in and, and offer you the services if you needed to talk and things like that. But as a young lad, you, you know, I don't think you really care about it a lot. Do you? you just want to play and, and things like that? But I wish I'd have took advantage of it knowing what I know now. Do you think you had enough confidence that you would... Do, did you ever doubt... Before it might tell me to get stuffed asking this, but do you did you ever doubt that you were good enough, that you deserved to be where you were? I don't think anybody else did. I think maybe me a little bit, yeah, a little bit of self-doubt because you're always wondering, you know, why am I getting in here or what, am I going to get a chance or why? Um, and I, I just can't really... I, if somebody said, what is the main reason why it didn't happen? I, I, I couldn't say. I couldn't honestly say, like, I could have done this or could have done that a little bit better. I think I worked as hard as I could. I think maybe timing, managers coming in and out might have been a think of it but I don't think there was anything that, that, that was plainly obvious like you get the odd people saying oh people's attitude wasn't right or things like that you know I was never a, a shout or a scream I never knocked on anybody's door never upset anybody I don't think maybe just timing and managers coming and going at, at, at a really important time when I was probably ready to play how does it feel kind of 15, 15, 20 years on now do you look back with regret about what might have been or you sound like a fairly kind of level-headed bloke who says, who, who, who may think, well, I've still had a career out of football and, you know, there, there's a lot of people who would kind of, who would die for that kind of opportunity. Uh, definitely grateful for the for the memories I've got. If, if somebody said, oh, I'd say underachieved, yeah, only because of, of people's opinion of me, not me being, you know, oh, I thought I was this, I was that. I think it a lot of people had a, a general opinion of me that they thought I was going to go on uh, and be this player. But looking back uh, at, at what people used to think of the reputation I had, I, I'd probably say underachieved, but I am ever so grateful of, uh, uh, for Aston Villa Football Club for even giving me the opportunity to, to obviously live the dream and 
and be a part of the club. What was it like when you, you well, first of all, when you went on loan at, at Bournemouth as a teenager and secondly, well, you went there twice on loan, I think, and then you, you signed a permanent or a couple of years with them. What's that like for a lad from Warsaw, you know, st- teenager or early 20s, having to kind of relocate? I mean, you, you could have picked somewhere closer, couldn't you? But do you know what, Matt? I think I was done, mate. I think I was I think I think was physically done and I just thought I don't need to be playing on my doorstep, getting hammered every week. Uh, and I knew I didn't have long left. I, I, I seriously thought about whether I could carry on. Um, I didn't know how fit I was going to be because I, Bournemouth actually signed me injured. I was still injured when I left the villa. And Bournemouth signed me injured and said, well, just, I signed a two year, two and a half year contract. I think it was a three, maybe two, three year contract there. And they said, look, we'll get you fit. And I, I don't think they understood the, the history of the, of the injury and how bad it was. So I felt a bit guilty at the time. It was either that or, or you know, or finish. Because I'd gone from a stage where championship clubs were inquiring about me and interested in me to basically people questioning whether I was fit enough to even play anymore. So Bournemouth really was the only option uh, apart from Warsaw. And I just, I, did, I didn't fancy Warsaw. I know I, it, it's my hometown club and I've been and watched them loads of times. I still love the club. I love Warsaw. It's a great little football club. I just didn't think it was, was right for me at that time. I was in a hotel for the first three months uh, in Bournemouth um, and they put you up uh, and look after you like that. And then obviously I bought a place down there and got, and got settled but it's weird because I, I actually left it I was about 22 might even have been 23 when I left so I was there quite a long time considering I only played like whatever four or five appearances whatever it was I think I was about 23 when I signed for Bournemouth and I just yeah it was hard to move down there but I'll, at first I was like well you know you're going to get your head down and, and see how you go but at the back of my mind I was just thinking no, I can't see how I'm going to be able to to justify the, the money I'm going to earn really injuries or whatever uh, I think they were expecting me to be the player I was when I was on loan it, it was just never going to happen because the because the injury obviously they, they wanted me to play uh, wide right as well and I just I'd, I'd, I'd lost that that, that that yard of pace that, that helped me play wide what, what was it like then in terms of I mean, I've been looking on, on soccer base at some of the appearances that you made um, at Bournemouth and I think you went to Torquay, didn't you, and to, to Howell's own for a while. Was it just kind of trying to eke out every last drop that you, your body had let you? Yeah, it was. Torquay was more of a... Um, well, Colin Lee was the manager. He just got involved with Torquay and they were struggling at the bottom of the league. And he, and he, he just phoned me up and he just said, look, would you come and, come and help me out? because he tried to get me on loan a few times when he was Warsaw manager, because we used to play our reserve games at Bescott as well. So he always used to try and get me on loan to Warsaw when I was at the Villa. And he just said, would you, any chance you'd come and have a game for me instead of keep saying no? So I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to struggle or whatever. And he, and he was really good. He just said, look, you can train this day, that day, and have that day off and just, you know, if you if do 70 minutes or whatever. I think they were really desperate, to be honest. And uh, basically, he was trying to get a bit out of me. And I was just trying to, like you say, just get the last, every ounce out of my body. When did you stop playing and what age were you? I mean, do you, do you still have a have a kick around now? Or when when did you stop 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 playing football for a living, I suppose? Yeah, I think it was about 27, I think. Because I went to play, one of the lads from Bournemouth got the job at Weymouth, uh, which is next to Bournemouth and uh, not far away. And he just said, would you be interested in, in just coming up? And so, oh, 
I was never keen on on that level of football. Not no disrespect to it, but it just didn't really, you know, it wasn't didn't suit me at all. So like non-league football for me, when I finished, it was sort of a no. Um, it was never going to be an option. I just thought, you know, yeah, I'm going to get motivated. No, not motivated. Yeah, well, I probably wouldn't be able to get motivated to play. Uh, non-league football having to I know some players do and I'm not sure whether they do it because they love the game or they might want to still earn a few quid keep fit or whatever I, I just I just didn't really fancy it I'd rather just play with my mates like I just had a kick about on a Sunday morning with my mates so Were you effectively retired then at 27, 28? Uh, yeah because you get I got paid um, the, the, the compensation for the injury which went on for a long time Um well, if I'd have stopped playing at Villa, I'd obviously definitely got a lot more money for the for the injury. But uh, they got compensated for in the end, uh, and the PFA uh, have looked after me a little bit. That they sort of help out financially as well. With you, you have to retire for injury. But I just remember when the doctor just wrote me off. He just said, "Look, I can't really give you an operation that's gonna that's gonna help you. Uh, there's no." There's nothing we can do unless we get somebody's cartilage and put it into your ankle and then it's going to take time to bed in and grow. You're talking about an 18-month period, which would have probably took me to 28, 28 and a half. And it would have been a waste of time because I don't think anybody would have touched me anyway at that age with all the injuries. It was just one of them, yeah. Unfortunately, I had to retire. PFA sent me to see see a doctor in Sandwell, which is West Bromwich, obviously, not far and uh, he just said, go and see him and, and just, just see what he says and see if there's anything he can do. And I said, okay. Um, but obviously, well, he, he just wrote a letter and a, and, a re- and a report and sent it back to, to, to the PFA. And it was all just, it was all pretty, I knew anyway, to be honest, Matt, it, 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 was, it was always going to be like that. So I had a few offers to go and play in America, but I just, I didn't think I'd be able to do it. So did it come as a as a relief rather than a shock then when it was almost somebody kind of drawing a line under it? Yeah, looking back on it, I think when I left Villa, I think that was it, mate, for me. Um, in terms of football, I only ever wanted to play top-level top football. I only wanted to be a Premier League footballer. No disrespect to Bournemouth, it was a great club. At the time, they were struggling financially, and but I just sort of, it just wasn't, you know, not the motivation, it just didn't feel... You know, just didn't feel the same, which obviously it wouldn't because because there was a massive football club, but it's not going to be the same. But it was just obviously the injuries had got into me, got into my head, as like you said, it might be a bit, bit mental. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to struggle, and I never, I never, I never recovered from it, probably physically and mentally. So, what have you been doing for the last kind of five or six years then, other than becoming becoming a dad? Are you still you still involved with football at Chase Town? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, but, um. I'm coach at Chase Town, which is um, just down the road. So it's on the doorstep, which is great. Uh, we train a couple of times a week. So we do the do coaching on a Tuesday and a Thursday, and we play on a Saturday as well. Obviously, that the games, you know, it's still it's still like football. You know, you're getting on the coach, having the banter with the lads, you're going to away games, and it, you know, still kept in in football. I mean, a, a lot of my mates have. I know Rob Edwards now is the England under twenty coach. Um, so a lot of the lads that I speak to have stayed in, in, in football. But now I'm at the age and I've just, the last couple of years, I've, I've got into it. And uh, it's a great little club and he, he's a great bloke and, and a great manager, to be honest. How would you sum up your your kind of, your, your life and career then, where, where Aston Villa's concerned? 
Look, I loved it. I loved every minute. I loved every minute of the club. Everyone going into training, the games, and the, you know, and everything with the fans and everything. It was just great. Uh, as a time, enjoyed it immensely, and I wouldn't have changed anything. But obviously, you want to play. I'd love to have, have, have played and had a, had a long career there and everything. So, it, in that in that terms, I yeah, I, I underachieved from the goal I set myself. Um, but like I said, it is frustrating because I can't just pin it down to to uh, to why it was. Uh, maybe I wasn't good enough. Uh, sometimes you have to take that on the chin. Um, but I just thoroughly enjoyed it and loved every minute. Thanks so much for for joining us. Um, yeah, it's it's it, it, it's been a real uh, it's been a real pleasure, mate. Honestly, because you, you kind of you hear hear these names and just to to find out the kind of reality and the and the, the truth behind the story, it's brilliant. I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you, and I know our um, our readers, listeners, and um, and viewers are gonna gonna have uh, enjoyed you, you taking us on that trip down memory lane as well. So, uh, just thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate that. Well, cheers, Matt. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.